Happy Christmas Sunday. So why are we studying the book of John? There it is up on the screen. This is why John was written, the Gospel of John, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And so I thought, hey, wouldn't it be great if all of us had that kind of a tool in our tool belt, that we knew John well enough, we knew the Scriptures well enough, the Gospel well enough, that as we run into people that maybe don't know the Lord, and maybe that's you today, maybe you're here or tuning in online, welcome, by the way, Maybe you don't know the Lord, and maybe you're just checking this Jesus thing out. It's the holidays. It's Christmas. Who is this guy? Wow, I'm so glad you tuned in. I'm so glad that you're here. But I believe that uh, today's message is going to be a message that is absolutely filled with hope. And I'm calling the message uh, this morning the Jesus Ladder. And you'll see I've got my little ladder behind me. And the reason I'm calling that is that we're actually going to start in Genesis um, chapter uh, verse or chapter 28, verse 10. So if you want to turn there, if you have your Bibles. And by the way, uh, you may not be aware of this, but if you download the Christ Center app and go to uh, messages or Sunday morning, I think it is Sunday morning, and then you can actually do fill in the notes right there. And then when you're done filling in the notes, you can email it to yourself so that you have all of the notes. I just think that's really cool. Thank you, Micah, for doing that each week. That's absolutely amazing. So this is the Jesus ladder, and we just believe that Jesus is the answer. If you haven't figured that out, this is your first time, we are a Jesus church. We believe that he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is, like Eric said, the antidote for the world, and we get to talk about him today, and I am absolutely thrilled to do it. So here we go, Genesis. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba, and he went toward Haran. And I'm just going to pause right there for a moment and tell you why Jacob went out from Beersheba. Jacob, um, his name in the Hebrew means deceiver, supplanter. Uh, It literally means grabbing someone's heel. And uh, and so that was, he kind of had this character quality about him that he he was a bit manipulative, a bit of a deceiver. And so he had actually... Uh, deceived his older brother out of his birthright. And you can imagine uh, that his older brother was not real happy with this. And so Jacob fled from his homeland and was fleeing from his brother Esau. And uh, so just so you have some awareness of what was happening, what was going on, uh, you might say that Jacob in that moment felt a little bit hopeless. You know, he was leaving the home that he had known his whole life. He was leaving his family. He was fearing for his life. He was in a hopeless state of mind. So he came to a certain place, and he stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place, and he put it on his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, A ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached all the way to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on this ladder. So here's Jacob, the deceiver. He's running from everything he knows, maybe feeling hopeless, maybe feeling like 
There's, you know, no hope for him. There's nothing left. His family's gone, just running for his life. And he has this dream. And in this dream, he sees this ladder with angels ascending and descending upon it. Its top reaches and leans against heaven itself. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to your descendants. So here it is, the ladder. God in heaven is speaking down to him, angels ascending, descending. And he says, this land I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This was a prophecy. In that moment when Jacob had that dream and God spoke to him, see this ladder? Blessing is going to come down upon this ladder. And all of your descendants will be blessed. You'll be multiplied. You'll spread out into the world. And through you, all of the earth will be blessed. You would be a conduit of blessing from heaven to earth. Well, guess what? Jacob waited for this ladder. He waited a long time for this ladder. As a matter of fact, he wasn't the only one that waited. His son, Joseph, waited for this ladder. And on top of that, when the kings started to rise out of Israel, they waited for the ladder. No ladder. The priests waited for the ladder. They described the ladder. The, the, the very covenants and the very practices that the Jewish people had described this ladder. But yet there was no ladder. The prophets they dreamt about it, but there was no ladder. Only the promise that it would come. When would hope arrive? When would the blessing for the whole world finally get here? So there we were in Genesis, but now we're going to move to John chapter 1. Yes, we're still in John chapter 1, verse 47 is where we're going to start. And Jesus um, has already gathered some disciples, and then we read this. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Where have we already heard the word deceit this morning? Whose name meant deceit? Jacob. This word, this Greek word, is the Hebrew equivalent of the word Jacob. So it's like Jesus is giving Nathaniel a little hint here. Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no Jacob. There is no deceit, no guile. Nathaniel said to him, uh, how do you know me? How do you know there's no guile? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, 
Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Now, we do not know what kind of moment Nathaniel had under that fig tree. The Bible doesn't really give us a, a clear description of what went on under that fig tree, but something powerful went on under that fig tree. Something so powerful that Jesus said to Nathaniel, Nathaniel, you speak the truth. You say it like it is. I wonder if under that fig tree, Nathaniel had a moment where he just cried out to God and said, God, I am failing, I am falling, I am hurting, I am hopeless. Whatever moment it was was so straightforward and so powerful that Jesus says, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit or no guile. And he had a God moment. And that God moment was seared into Nathaniel's memory. And so when Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree, Nathaniel knew this, this is the king. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these, Nathaniel. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Oh, here's the parallel. Everyone's been waiting. Jacob waited. Joseph waited. The prophets waited. The king waited. When is this ladder? This ladder from heaven to earth that's going to pour out blessings on the whole world. When is it going to get here? And here, Jesus is telling Nathaniel, Nathaniel, I'm the ladder, and I'm here. I'm here now. There's no longer a need to wait because I've arrived. What were the angels ascending and descending on at Jacob's dream in Bethel? A ladder, right? And what are they ascending and descending upon right now? Jesus. He was drawing Nathaniel back to the original blessing that through Jacob, all of the world would be blessed. And Jesus is a descendant of J Jacob fulfilling that prophecy. The latter has come, and his name is Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been moments in my life, and, and, and I would say that the Jewish people had maybe even given up hope on the latter. As a matter of fact, they had waited so long for the ladder, they didn't even recognize the ladder when it finally came. They'd been waiting for this ladder for so long. Promise after promise, is this the one? Is this the one? Is he the one? No ladder. They'd given up. It was a fairly dark time. It was a hopeless time. Under siege of Rome, under dominion, it was tough. It was hopeless, seemed hopeless. I remember um, my wife and I, Steph, we took a, a vacation uh, quite a while back. As a matter of fact, it was, it was probably about um, 17 years ago. And we took this vacation, and we just went up to Lake Wenatchee to a cabin. And we got, to the, we got through Tumwater Canyon, and you know there's the the, the dead zone there where you can't get in or out on the cell, cell phone. 
And so we went up through the canyon. We're so excited just to get away. And we get out the other side of the canyon, and I recognize that we had a voicemail. Someone had tried to call us. And so Steph checks the voicemail, and the voicemail says, uh, it's mom, because we had left Eli with uh, Steph's parents. And she said, it's mom. Eli had stopped breathing, and we're taking him to the hospital. Click. That's all it said. In that moment, my, my heart just sank. Because I had been an EMT long enough to know the statistics of someone that stops breathing, getting them back. And I probably knew way too much information. And I felt absolutely hopeless. As a matter of fact, I remember immediately trying to call her back, and of course no one answered because no one was there. And we turned around. I think we were at Cole's Corner. We turned around. We were heading back to Wenatchee, not knowing if our son was alive or not. And let me tell you, that was the longest ride down Tumwater Canyon you can imagine. We couldn't get through. All I could do was quote Scripture, pray in tongues, <laughs> and, and just cry out to the Lord. As a matter of fact, Steph and I didn't even talk. I, I don't know what she was doing, but I was, I was just interceding before the Lord. But I have to tell you, in that moment, um, it felt absolutely uh, hopeless. And I don't know if you had a situation like that where you just feel hopeless, where you just feel like, I don't even see an answer. I don't see a way out. Um, maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's something in your world. Maybe it's a job or a lack of a job or financial. And, and it just seems that hope is gone. I want you to know that there is hope for everyone. There is hope for everyone here today within the sound of my voice or whether you're listening to this on a podcast or jogging on a canal or driving in a car later. There is hope for everyone. His name is Jesus. He is the ladder that is the conduit of blessing from heaven to earth. And he loves us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And I remember coming out of the Tumwater Canyon, and I was almost afraid to even call anyone because I didn't know what the answer would be. And, of course, you know, the answer for me on that day was Eli's alive, and he's, he's okay. He had a syncopal episode and, you know, passed out and looked like he'd stopped breathing. Um, but he was okay. But in that journey down the valley, it was dark, felt hopeless. And if you're here within the sound of my voice and you are feeling that same way, today is all about hope in Jesus, no matter what your circumstance is. Every one of us need hope. Hope is the expectation that a person, a thing, or an event is actually going to come through for you. 
That's what hope is. See, my hope was that in that moment that God would come through for me, that Eli would indeed, you know, be alive. Now, there have been times where I've prayed, and the reality is God didn't rescue from that moment. But I'm here today to tell you he is still the hope. Whether he rescues us from all of our problems or not, he is the only hope that really matters. You see, because there are all kinds of ladders in the world. That's, that's the reality of our life. There are all kinds of ladders in this world. And we try to climb these ladders. The problem is that these ladders that we try to climb, they never really reach heaven. You know, when you're young, you know, you kind of cling to the ladder that your parents but that quickly leaves, right, as, a, as you become a teenager or actually as you become 12 years old on the dot. No. All of a sudden, your parents aren't as important as they used to be. And certainly as they become teenagers, you recognize that they're ready to move on, that that ladder isn't going to be sufficient for them. And then maybe you start climbing the ladder of a relationship, Maybe it's a husband or a wife, and you think, this is the ladder. This is the ladder that I'm going to climb. And when you are married to someone, and the honeymoon is over, and reality sets in, and you recognize, as good as this relationship is, this ladder does not reach heaven. <laughs> it does not tilt itself against the floor of heaven. That even this ladder, as good as it is, is going to falter. And whether it's a husband or a wife or whether it's a child and a parent or whether it's, it's, it's a, a team, you know, maybe you're on a, an athletic team and, you, you, you know, you get cut or you recognize you don't have what it takes to get to the place where you wanted it to go or maybe it's a cause that you poured yourself into or a hobby or maybe it's your health. There's all kinds of ladders, and our life really becomes just, just this one giant ladder exchange. Well, let's try this ladder. Let's try that ladder. Let's see if this ladder will work. But the problem is, if it's anything on the created side of the line, it will fail. None of these ladders can stand up to this life. None of these ladders can stand up to death. None of these ladders can stand up to the curse of sin. None of these ladders are so fixed and so eternal and so sure that we can bank our life on them. Because how many of these ladders, no matter how good they've been and how, how, how well you started climbing them, you recognized it comes to an end. It falters. But there is the Jesus ladder that doesn't falter. It's the only ladder that really leans its top against heaven. It's the only ladder in which there's a true blessing. It's the only ladder that is sure and sound. It's the Jesus ladder. I want to give you three reasons why you can trust the Jesus ladder. Number one, Jesus is good. He's good. Sometimes in life, when we're climbing the Jesus ladder and things go wrong, there's a temptation to question God. I've certainly done it. You start thinking, is he good? 
is he really good? Because this is super painful right now. It, it seems pretty hopeless. You can rest assured that Jesus is good. Psalm 27, 13. I would have despaired. If anyone had a reason to despair, it would be David on the, being hunted by Saul. Had I not believed in the goodness of the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. You see, Jesus is good. He's good. You know he's good because he came. He came. He left heaven. He left everything that was good, good incarnate. The, the unbreakable relationship of the Trinity, the peace, the joy, the lack of pain, the lack of suffering, purpose, he left it, and he came here to this earth. And he knew what he was getting in for. He, he knew what he was saying yes to. He was saying yes to people that would betray him. He was saying yes to becoming helpless in, in the form of a child. The God of the universe became a helpless baby, dependent Upon a mother and a father, he chose that. He chose to be helpless. He chose to put himself in a position where he would experience betrayal and suffering and heartache. He's good. He loves you so much that he left all of that. He came. But not just that, he had compassion. The Bible, when it describes Jesus being moved with compassion, it describes the moving of the bowels. It, it's kind of a funny picture, but what it's saying, you ever get that, that queasy, that, that, that pit in your stomach, you know, when something's bad? But you can also get it when something's good, like this is a good thing. But Jesus, when he looked upon people that were hurting and suffering, it says he was moved with compassion, and it compelled him. Every single one of you within the sound of my voice today, Jesus is moved with compassion over your life. He is good. You can trust him. Jesus is a sound ladder. He is good. There are no more safer hands than you can place your life into than his hands. There are no more um, secure hands. There are more, no more gentler hands. There are more, no more loving hands than you can put yourself into than Jesus' hands. He is good. Life is hard, but Jesus is good. And he loves you. And today, you can count on this ladder because he's good. I can remember many times when my ladder was shaping, it was just feeling like it was falling apart. And all I had was the conviction that Jesus is good. Because even though you're on the Jesus ladder, it doesn't mean you're not going to suffer. He suffered. It doesn't mean you're not going to have heartache. He had heartache. It doesn't mean there won't be betrayal. He had betrayal. And when you get on that ladder and you're shaking and it hurts, Hold on to the conviction that he's still good. 
and he loves you, and he has your best interest at heart. So no matter how rough it is today, believe and have faith that Jesus is good. But here's the other thing. Jesus' timing is absolutely perfect. It's perfect. I didn't always believe this growing up, but his timing is actually perfect. I'm not sure the Jewish people believe this because they waited so long for him to come. For centuries they waited. And then when he actually came, they didn't even believe him. But you know what? It says that he came at the fullness of time. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son into the world. Wasn't too soon, wasn't too late. It was the perfect time. It was the perfect time. Jesus' timing in your life, it's perfect. It may not seem so in this moment, but it's perfect. And sadly, our problem is we often look at our lives as a single scene in a long movie and forget that it's only one scene. But in the moment when things are hard, the ladder's shaking, things seem hopeless, it's, it's easy to think, this is my whole life, and yet it is only one scene. It's just a moment. And it's a moment that if you believe Jesus is good, he's going to work in your life. And maybe you're in a scene of a struggling marriage right now, and it's tempted to believe that's your whole life. Maybe you're in a scene of a child that's not following the Lord. Maybe you're in a scene of loneliness or discontent or financial stress or struggle. And in this moment, you feel like it's your whole world, it's your whole life, and you can't see anything beyond that. Understand, it's only a scene. And at just the right time, Jesus came, and Jesus spoke, and Jesus healed. And he restored dignity to those who were marginalized. He came for the hungry. And he came and he loved sinners at the right time. And he challenged the oppressors. He stood up to the religious leaders. And he came and he took our sin. And then he died for us as the perfect sacrifice. He came at the right time. And then he rose again proving that he is the only ladder that actually reaches heaven. See, when I was 18, I, I was climbing a ladder of relationship. Their name was Mindy. And I was going to get married and have a family and start a career, and life was going to be good. And then you know what? As I'm climbing that ladder, Mindy died. My whole life, my whole security, my whole anchor was on that ladder. And she died. And my whole world fell apart. And I thought that was my whole life. I could not even imagine looking beyond that moment of hopelessness. But do you understand, and I hope you hear this this morning, that was only one scene out of my life. One scene that God would redeem. I know how I prayed that God would give me a wife. And one by one, those relationships died. But I, I, I moved to the Jesus ladder. 
I left the relationship ladder, which was what I was banking on, and I moved to the Jesus ladder, and I started climbing, and I started praying, God, give me a wife. And it would seem like someone would come, and then they would go. Someone would come, and they would go. And it, I was so discouraged, but I held on to the Jesus ladder. I held on to faith. I held on to hope that Jesus was working something here that I couldn't even imagine. And here I am, 51 years later, almost 30 years into marriage with the most perfect woman in the world, my wife, Stephanie. But in that moment, in that moment, I couldn't see it. I thought that scene was my whole life. But at just the right moment, because Jesus' timing is perfect, the girl showed up at the YMCA, and my heart went boom, 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 boom. And then she showed up when I was speaking at a youth group, and I went, she knows Jesus. This is good. And here we are. Got our children that love Jesus. We get to serve the Lord together. But in those moments, in those scenes, it was hard. It was extremely hard. And there are some in this room, even with the sound of my voice, that you're in some scenes right now that are so hard. Please trust that it is only a scene in a long movie and that God doesn't always rescue us, but he always redeems. Please hear that. He doesn't always rescue us, but if you give it to him, if you're on the Jesus ladder and you're yielding your life to him, he can take whatever you give him, whatever garbage you give him, and he will redeem it. He will always come through. That's the guarantee we have when we're on the Jesus ladder. And then lastly, Jesus is hope. For we know that all creation has been groaning right up to the present time. It's groaning. Look around. Look around our world. There's some groaning out there. Even we Christians groan, waiting to be released from pain and suffering. Is anyone else groaning? Because your ladder has failed. Maybe it's not the Jesus ladder. Maybe that's not what you're clinging to. I'll tell you this. Every time I get out of the bed in the morning, I groan. I, uh, I literally creak when I get out of the bed. I, and the older I get, the more I creak. I groan. My body groans. I look in the mirror, and there's hair growing where it shouldn't and, growing, and not growing where it should. It's, it's, I'm groaning. Our whole exercise, every time I exercise, every time I start running, it takes me like four minutes just for my lungs to say, you know, they're trying to say, what are you doing? I'm groaning. Every time I get my infusion, every three weeks I get an infusion, four hours of, you know, getting this stuff put in me. And every time I groan, is it time already for another infusion? Every time I hear about an abuse, I groan. The Bible says all creation is growing. Why? Because the whole earth is under the curse of death and sin. But Romans 8.24 says this. Remember, Jesus is hope. It says this. It says, in this we hope, we are saved. What do we hope in? That we're saved. Do you see, ultimately, 
that's the ladder. That's the guarantee. The guarantee is not this life. The guarantee is not a long life. The guarantee is not riches and fame. The guarantee is not a perfect relationship. The guarantee is not that all your children will be perfect. The guarantee is not that you'll have the perfect job. But in this we hope we are saved. That's what we hope in. That's why John wrote this, this gospel. That's why he wanted us to see that Jesus was the blessing for the whole world. He is our only hope, and in that we have salvation. Jesus is the only one that beat the curse. He's the only one that beat sin. He's the only one that can give us true hope. I remember my, my dad passed away. Uh, well, it's been several years now. I guess it's been about seven years. But my dad, uh, growing up, it, my mom and dad had me later in life. Um, I was kind of a, oh, <laughs> we have another one. And, and so when I grew up, you know, my dad and mom, they were older. And sometimes it was frustrating for me, you know. People say, oh, is this your grandparents? No, it's my mom and dad. But my dad, he was the hardest worker I've ever known. He was, um, he was a true servant. His parents died when he was just a small child. Um, his mom died first, and then his dad died just a few years after that. And my dad was, um, he was passed around from home to home, and it usually was seasonal. Whoever needed a hard worker would get my dad, and, and he would work their farm. And so that's kind of how it went. And he was raised really in a, in a very hostile situation. And I only actually know that, not really even because of what my dad would tell me as much as what I heard from other relatives. But he was such a faithful father. He was a, a loyal man. He was a hard worker. He, he, he married my mom, and then shortly after, he served in the Korean War. I remember him telling me stories about Heartbreak Ridge. Uh, his story was this. We'd take Heartbreak Ridge. He was in the Army, and then the Marines would lose it, so we'd have to come back and take it again. So take that with a grain of salt. But when he showed up at Korea, he told me, he says, Steve, I remember looking up at Heartbreak Ridge, and he said, I'll never come down from there. It was so horrific. But he was a faithful husband. He was a faithful father. He was a faithful soldier, servant. His nickname was Oak. His, his real name was Othel. I think it was after a judge in the Old Testament. But, and I don't even know where his nickname came, but it was Oak. And there was probably not more of an appropriate nickname for him than Oak because he was so solid my whole life. And he worked hard. He worked at Alcoa. And I don't know if any of you have ever worked at Alcoa, um, but it's not the easiest place to work. As a matter of fact, there's a sign um, before you go into the pot rooms, and the pot rooms is basically this big container of molten aluminum that's super hot. And I remember he'd come home and he'd have holes in his shirts, and it was where the, um, the, the hot aluminum would splash, and he would have to bend over and let it burn out of his shirt. 
It was, the temperature was amazing. It was a hard worker. But it said, abandon all hope, ye who entered here. <laughs> and that's what he went into work every day under. But my dad, um, I remember thinking, well, he's close to retirement now. You know, he's going to be able to retire and finally get out of Alcoa and, and finally be able to enjoy his life, you know. And, and uh, he retired, and shortly after he retired, um, he had a massive heart attack. As a matter of fact, I remember being in the emergency room, and I remember, um, I remember thinking he's probably not going to. I've seen the look of death many times, and he had it, and I thought he's not going to walk out of here. And um, he did. He walked out, and they did surgery. And shortly after that, he had cancer, got cancer. And then shortly after that, he developed dementia. And, and those that struggle with that, man, just know my heart goes out to you. I know what a, what a hard thing that is. But, you know, all my dreams for my dad and probably all of his dreams um, in his golden years were certainly not as he imagined that they would be. You know, his retirement failed him. His body failed him. His health failed him. His plans failed him. But I'll tell you what never failed him, and that was Jesus. Jesus never failed him. I remember getting up at night, even when he was sick, even when he was, was ill, and I remember him getting up, and I remember he, he would read the Word, Two in the morning, I'd get up and I'd catch him reading the word or I'd catch him praying. Jesus, despite his dementia, despite his cancer, despite his lack of a great retirement, Jesus was his everything. He solidly was on the Jesus ladder. What a, what a great example for me and for all of us. And I remember as he was in the hospital, he'd caught pneumonia and I knew his time was short. I remember sitting in the hospital bed with him, and I remember sitting him up. And so I was behind him and just kind of rubbing his back, trying to help him breathe a little bit easier. And I remember my dad, he was, his head was kind of down. And then all of a sudden, in one moment, he looked up, and he said, as clear as lucid as he could possibly be. He looked up and he said, you want me to come up there? Okay. And then just a few hours later, he climbed the rest of the way up the Jesus ladder. Now you might say, well, that was, you know, whatever, but no. I believe firmly Jesus was waiting for him and he called him home. And my dad has no regrets now on the other side of eternity. Zero regrets for living the life that he lived and trusting in Jesus. He was his everything. And this morning, wherever you at, you're at, whatever you're dealing with, whatever hard, hopeless situation you find yourself in, in this you can hope that you are saved. That despite what happens in the world, you're saved. Just bow your heads for a moment, if you would, wherever you're at, if you just kind of bow your head. I want you to think about that for a moment. In this, we hope we are saved. 
See, our money, our house, our families, our friends, achievements, they will all eventually fall short. But what won't fall short is Jesus. So my question is to all of you, what ladder have you been climbing? You see, if it's not the Jesus ladder, the one that beats sin, the one that beat death and decay, if it's not the Jesus ladder, that ladder will never reach heaven. It just won't. And eventually, all the other ladders will fail. As well as you might be climbing that ladder today, they will fail. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you if you would just exchange ladders. If you have never put your trust in Jesus as the ladder in which you climb, then this morning I want you to let go of whatever ladder you may have been clinging to and put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in Jesus. You see, we have sin in us. We are born that way. Jesus was the only one born without sin. And he lived a perfect, sinless life. And he became the sacrifice for all humanity. That whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. This morning, I I want to just challenge you that if you have not put your trust in Jesus, that today is the day to let go of this ladder you've been clinging to and trust in Jesus. He is good. His timing is perfect. And he is hope. Just pray this simple prayer if that's you this morning. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I lay it down. I trust you to be the forgiver of my sins, the restorer of my soul. I trust you to be my closest friend, not just my Savior, but I trust you to be my Lord. And I ask you to guide me through this life. And I give my life to you just as you have given your life. And I will follow you all the days of my life. I trust you, Jesus. I firmly fix my hands on the Jesus ladder. In your name, I pray. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today, I want you to just text the word begin to that number. It should be on the screen. It should be, you're watching online, it should be there. But just text the word begin. I would just love to connect with you. I'd love to just know that you made that decision today. But the reality is there's another group of people in this room. There's another group of people watching online. And those are people that you're tempted to leave the Jesus ladder because it's hard. And because right now it seems hopeless. But this Christmas season, I want to remind you, it's not hopeless. It's not over. This Christmas season, I want to remind you that that Jesus is worthy of trusting. And you can have confidence that there is no 
better ladder than the Jesus ladder. And so if that's you and there's any kind of temptation to switch ladders, switch from the source of hope to the source of hopelessness, don't do it. Do not look to the left. Do not look to the right. But stay on the Jesus ladder. I promise you this. I don't know when he'll show up, but he will show up at just the right time. His timing is perfect. So just bow your heads one more time. If that's you this morning and you just say, I am staying firmly on the Jesus ladder. Just slip up your hand. I am making that commitment today. I am staying on the Jesus ladder. Right on. I am not leaving. I am not moving. I'm staying there. I'm so glad that you came today. I'm so glad that you heard that message of hope. Jesus, we just thank you. We ask you, Lord, to continue to give us hope. We need it, Lord. We need your hope. Amen. Just invite you to stand. There was a, you've heard the name Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, but what you might not know is his story. He was also someone that experienced a sense of hopelessness. He woke up one day from a nap to horrifically see that his wife was on fire. And so he grabbed a rug and tried to put the fire out as best as he could, but he he, he didn't succeed, and so he actually used his own body just to try to put the, the fire out. But he was burned so badly himself that he was not even able to attend his own wife's funeral. At the time, the nation was embroiled in a civil war. His oldest son uh, was boarded on a train and sent to Washington, D.C. to join the Union Army. And not only had his wife just died, but his son was now leaving and then he heard, he got the news that his son had been wounded. He'd been shot and almost paralyzed. And on Christmas Day, he was living without his wife, and his son was severely wounded. Not to mention the nation was still embroiled in this incredible war. And on Christmas Day, he walked out of his house, and he heard these bells ringing and he, he had in one in one tension he had the loss of his wife his son being injured and, and it seemed like the hopelessness of the world and yet over here he heard Christmas bells ringing and then he heard he heard singing at the same time he heard people singing peace on earth and in that moment he didn't feel peace on earth. But he said something happened to him as he was walking on that Christmas day and he was listening to the bells and he was hearing the people sing peace on earth. He said he started to feel God's goodness and God's hope rise up in him. That he believed that it would not always be like this. And in that moment, he discovered that this was only a scene in his life that God would come through. And he wrote the song that we're going to sing right now as a declaration of hope and faith that God is faithful and that he will overcome and that Christmas is the story of Jesus bringing hope to the world. In this, we hope that we are saved. So let's sing this song together as we close this morning.